There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. With Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk. Welcome to Blue Jays Nation Radio, episode 33. As you've come to expect over the past few episodes, I, Cam Lewis, am your host this time because my usual co my usual host, Tali Remchuk, is still wandering around in the woods. He's lost. He's searching for meaning. We have no idea when he's going to come back. And also, my usual pinch hitter for when Tyler's not available, Brendan Kuhn, is currently on a flight from British Columbia to Toronto because he's going to be at the Blue Jays homecoming games this weekend at the Rogers Center. So it's just me right now flying solo. Later on in the episode, I'm going to have my good buddy Neil Key from Key to the City to come and freak out about the Yankees. The New York Yankees, as you probably know, had a very interesting day or a couple of days, I guess. They acquired Anthony Rizzo from the Chicago Cubs on Thursday. And that came shortly after they acquired Joey Gallo, the guy that I know many Blue Jays fans hope the Blue Jays would acquire from the Texas Rangers. So we got a new look, a very new look Yankees team. This might have significant ramifications on the wild card race. So I'm going to get Neil in the mix to talk about how the Yankees look now and what this means for us Toronto Blue Jays fans. But before we do all of that, I will quickly wrap up the pretty good week that was for the Blue Jays at Fenway in Boston. The Jays rolled into Fenway. They had, were coming off of a pretty ugly series against the New York Mets. They had a pretty bad time, and there was some genuine concern. Okay, the Red Sox are rolling. They are very good at Fenway. The Jays are going and playing four games there. If this goes badly and the Jays get swept, or if they lose three, then can you justify doing anything other than selling ahead of the trade deadline, which is something none of us really want to think about because the last thing you want is for homecoming weekend in Toronto to be completely spoiled by, you know, getting a four game sweep at the hands of the Red Sox and then the team blowing it up. You know, that's the worst case scenario, but thankfully that didn't happen. The Jays had a pretty good week. They had a heartbreaking loss on Monday. That sucked. The bullpen blew a lead. The game was rained out on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, there was a double header. Robbie Ray was excellent. They won the first game. Steven Matz, not so much. They lost the second game. And then on Thursday, the Jays kicked the shit out of Eduardo Rodriguez. And Hyunjin Ryu had himself a fantastic start. And the Jays earned themselves a split. It's not, you know, it's not a huge win in terms of the Jays going on a miracle run and catching the Red Sox in the ALE standings. But it's more than good enough for 
keeping them alive in the wild card race and it's more than good enough for giving them a little bit of a positive momentum as they return home for they return home they return home for the first time in two years to play in Toronto and that's ultimately what we all care about here so I'm going to quickly bomb through three up three down brought to you as always by Twig and Berries head over to twigandberries.ca and use the nation 15 discount I'm going to go kind of up and down here with my up and downs and go in order of the way that they happened just to kind of walk through what happened over the week so the first down that I have is Thomas Hatch had a bit of a ugly start he is somebody that I think we thought could be an interesting arm potential option for the team in the rotation he spent obviously as we know a good chunk of the season on the injured list and then he came came back and was doing quite well in AAA during his rehab stint and then he came up on Monday for a spot start in place of Alec Manoa and didn't have a good time he went three and two thirds innings allowed seven hits walked one guy struck out four and it seemed to me that Hatch was having a difficult time commanding he was having a difficult time missing bats it was obviously it's the first start that he's you know made in since last season he was mostly used as a reliever last year too so the expectations can't be too high but it wasn't exactly an encouraging start for Thomas Hatch and then my second down I'm going to stick with this exact same game and it was it was it ultimately comes down to Hatch only you know going three and two thirds Charlie Montoyo had a tough time piecing together the rest of the game and the bullpen ultimately wound up blowing this game in the eighth inning that's something none of us like to see. It, 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 it felt like it had been quite a little while since the bullpen had a real heartbreaker like this, like a real late game one, but it was a two-run rally by the Sox in the eighth inning. That was a, it was a real gut-wrencher, but thankfully, and we're going to flip to positives here, thankfully on Wednesday when they played again after getting rained out on Tuesday, Robbie Ray went and did what he has done many a times this season and put together an excellent start. Robbie Ray, the ace, officially the ace at this point, as I've now been saying for a few months, but it's definitely official at this point. Robbie Ray had the ace start team needed. He went six innings, five hits, three walks, one earned run, eight strikeouts. Blue Jays won that game four to one. Robbie Ray was excellent. So that's your first up. And then I have now my third down, from the same day, it was in the second half of the doubleheader, Stephen Matz. Another unfortunate start for Matz. Matz has been all over the grid this year. It's been quite the roller coaster ride. I think we've come to be aware of the Stephen Matz experience that Mets fans dealt with for many years. Matz in the second game on Wednesday went three and one third, allowed nine hits, one walk, four earned runs, and only struck out two. So the thing with Matt's I'm wondering at this point is if the Blue Jays do go ahead and add a starter ahead of the trade deadline, might he be the one who ends up on the outside looking in the rotation? I mean, at this point, you have Ray as your number one, Ryu as your number two. Alec Manoa, when he's healthy, has been fantastic. Ross Stripling, you know, he had his really ugly outing against Boston, but otherwise has been quite good lately. So if Matt's keeps putting up starts like this, then he might be the odd man out and this start specifically on Wednesday might give the Blue Jays some urgency to go out and acquire another arm, which is something I will touch on once I'm done three up, three down and before we have Neil on the podcast. So flipping back now to my final two ups, they both come on Thursday, which of course, I mean, a thousand different ups from this game as they beat the Red Sox 13 to one in Boston. That's fantastic. We all love to see that. But the first one to mention here is Hyunjin Ryu, 
putting together a really, really good start in his last outing against the Mets. He got tagged up for some soft contact and didn't have his best outing. He hasn't really, in general this season, been the same Ryu that we saw last year. The guy who, you know, finished third in the American League in Cy Young voting. He's seen a little bit of a velocity dip. His changeup hasn't been quite as effective, but Thursday's game was vintage Ryu. And I mean, to be fair, the bats exploded, so he didn't have to be good, but he was. He went six innings, only allowed two hits, didn't walk a single guy, and struck out five. And I mean, this is against the Boston Red Sox team that they're good. I mean, this lineup especially, it's very potent. It's loaded with good righty hitters, Bogarts, J.D. Martinez. You know, these guys mash. And they especially mash when they're playing at home in Fenway. So an excellent up to see Ryu put together a very good start against a very good team. And let's hope this is something that continues the rest of the way because that's a huge boon for the Blue Jays if Ryu is anywhere near as good as he was last season. And then finally, the Blue Jays got some some production from the bottom of the order. This is... um quite a nice positive because it's been a challenge for the team all year. You have your one, two, three, four, five right now, Springer, Guerrero, Marcus Semien, Bo Bichette, and Teoscar Hernandez. That's your ideal one through five. But after that, it kind of turns into a bit of a black hole, but it was nice to see in the Boston series, other guys contribute. So for example, like one big one on Wednesday in the first game, the Robbie Ray start is Randall Grichuk hit a huge two-run home run in the fourth inning to give the team a 3-1 lead. And then in the uh, in the Thursday game, everybody was hitting, but you see like you have a huge game like that because you have, you know, Santiago Espinal going two for four in the eighth spot, Reese McGuire going three for five. Like that's how you set the table for when you're when you're when your RBI guys come up, when you're, when your George Springer's leading off or your Vladdy comes up. And then it's the same thing. Like you have those five guys getting on base. You need to have your six, seven or your eight or whoever it is that comes up, drive them in. And that's finally what we saw a couple of times this week. So that's pretty much what, that's what the, the, the Jays need in, in order to go on a big run in the second, in the last little bit of the season here, they um, they've gotten fantastic production from their big five hitters, but it's been a bit of a black hole after that. So in order for this team to really do something in the last little bit, and I mean, it really is an uphill climb, then they're going to need, they're going to need one through nine contributing on a night to night basis. So that's three up, three down brought to you by Twig and Berries. As always, Nation 15 as your discount code, head over to the website and buy yourself something and use that discount code. So before I get into this interview with Neil, and we talk about the Yankees and everything else, I'm going to, touch on a couple of Blue Jays related trade deadline things. So tomorrow afternoon is the trade deadline. It comes in, I think, two hours before the game starts. It's 5 p.m. Eastern time. And the Jays have already made one move ahead of this year's deadline, and that was going out and getting Brad Hand from the Washington Nationals. Hand's a name that we talked about in the offseason when his option wasn't picked up by Cleveland. That was quite the shock for Cleveland to go and do that. But it also wasn't because Cleveland's cheap as fuck. Um, Hand last year was very, very, very good for Cleveland. He um, led the led all of baseball with 16 saves. He struck out 11.9 guys per nine innings and walked only 1.6. So his option didn't get picked up. He became a free agent. He was someone that we talked about potentially as being 
an option to be signed to become the Blue Jays closer. The Jays ultimately ended up going with Kirby Yates instead. Kirby Yates' arm fell off in spring training and he's never going to pitch for the team. Very unfortunate. But here we are now. Brad Hand is a Blue Jay. And it's interesting to think what role this guy is going to be in because Hand has not been quite as good this year as he was in the past. He was, I'd say, between 2017 and 2019. 2020 as well, one of the best relievers in baseball, but that really hasn't been the case this year. So for this year, he's pitched in 41 games, 42 and two thirds innings, 3.59 ERA, and the strikeouts are down to 8.9 per nine, which is his lowest figure since he was um, changed from a starter to a reliever and the walks are up 3.8 walks per nine innings. And of course, as with every single pitcher who's struggling lately, it comes down to, okay, has this guy fallen off a cliff because of the sticky stuff? What's going on here? Or is this perhaps a situation where hmm, maybe Brad Hand can work with Pete Walker and get his stuff fixed? But what we've seen for Hand is over the month of July, he's pitched in eight innings, has allowed seven earned runs on six hits and six walks while striking out nine not super great stuff, but the hope is, I mean, the Blue Jays have done, I mean, this is a, this is a thing kind of year in, year out. Generally the front office I find is quite good at finding bullpen arms. It's kind of not really been the case this year. The bullpen has been a mess largely due to the injuries, but you know, Adam Simber, Trevor Richards, they've found, they've found pretty good arms. So the hope here is that they, there's something about Brad Hand They like, there's something they think they can fix maybe doing some work with Pete Walker. You know, we've seen tons of guys work with Walker and become more effective. So let's hope it's that and not the sticky stuff. Instead, let's hope this acquisition wasn't just getting a guy for the sake of getting a guy because he has a recognizable name, not like Brad Hand's a household name, but, you know, they're not just going and saying, okay, like we're going to go out and get a guy with some name recognition. Now nah, we're going to go out and get a guy who was an all-star and led the league in saves last year and then call it a day. No, I, I imagine there's something going on here. They know, they know they can probably tinker something with his delivery and make, make him effective again. And then I guess the next question is with hand is Jordan Ramon has been the team's closer and hand traditionally is a, a team's closer. He was a closer in Cleveland. He was a closer in Washington is he going to slip into that role or are they just going to use him as a late inning guy? I mean, at this point, given the way the Jays bullpen is who cares how many closers you have, right? I mean, let's be serious here. Like it's been so bad for Charlie Montoyo. He's been trying to piece it together with not a hell of a lot of options. So if you have two guys in hand and Romano that you're confident using in the ninth inning, that is most certainly not a bad problem to have. So that's Brad Hand, and then it looks like we might see another deal here. There has been a whole bunch of reports saying that the Blue Jays are among the teams who are interested in Minnesota Twins uh, starting pitcher Jose Barrios, which would be a, a, a pretty big swing for the team. Barrios is a, an ad that makes quite a bit of sense for the team because I think we've, we've kind of come to accept that if the Jays are going to acquire a big name, it's not going to be a rental because, you know, they're well out of the division. They're a little bit back of the wild card and taking such a risk probably wouldn't be the right move. But Berrios is signed this year and he's also under control next year. So this would be one of those moves similar to the ones we saw with Simber and Richards. It's a move that can help you right now 
go on a late season push, but it's also a move that can help you win in 2022 because we have no idea what the pitching rotation is going to look like next year. I mean, uh, Ryu's obviously going to be here. He's signed. Um, Manoa had a breakout season. He'll be back. Nate Pearson, who knows? Is he going to become a starter? Is he in the bullpen now? I would imagine the team still wants him to be a starter, but you just don't know if that's going to happen. Robbie Ray, obviously, is a free agent. He'll surely get a qualifying offer, but it's no guarantee that he comes back. He could ink a huge deal somewhere else and leave. Steve Matz, he's also eligible to become a free agent, and I'm not sure if he's done enough this year to warrant getting a new contract or even a qualifying offer. So going ahead and getting Jose Barrios would make all kinds of sense for this team. It'll just be interesting to see what the Minnesota Twins would want in return. So one more thing before we welcome Neil to the podcast is next up brought to you by DoorDash. As always, promo code BJNPODDD gets first time users of DoorDash 25% off and no delivery fees on the app. So go ahead and order yourself something nice and use that promo code. Coming up next, as you all know, is the biggest series we've had in quite some time. This is going to be the most exciting series we've had at Rogers Center since probably the 2016 American League Championship Series against Cleveland. The Jays are coming back. It's the first time this team has been back since September of 2019. They'll be hosting the Kansas City Royals, and there will be 15,000 fans in attendance on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and it is going to be absolutely fucking wild. Uh, starting game one will be Ross Stripling. Alec Manoa is apparently going to be uh, back in his spot on Saturday after uh, he suffered a really bizarre injury. I think he fell down the stairs or something like that and suffered like a back contusion, just a really weird freak injury. But he had um, he did a bullpen on Monday and apparently he's on track to come back Saturday. So that's fantastic. And then Sunday, I imagine, would be Thomas Hatch because that's his spot. Um, so, yeah, that's that. It's um it's going to be, it's, as we've talked about in this pod, like quite a few times, it's going to be a hell of a thing. I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of guys in the Jays who have uh, never played in Toronto. I mean, um, Chris Black produced a list today and it was shown on the broadcast, like all these names who have never pitched, never pitches a Blue Jay in Toronto, Marcus Semyon, George Springer, Robbie Ray, Hyunjin Ryu, you know, big names like that. And then you also have these young guys who have never played there either. Alejandro Kirk, Alec Manoa, Nate Pearson hasn't pitched as a J in Toronto, which is, is, is kind of, it's kind of bizarre to wrap your head around that, but it's true. And then, you know, Santiago Espinal hasn't done it either. Ross Rippling hasn't. I mean, it's crazy. You're going to see a whole bunch of guys that have never played as a blue Jay in Toronto before. And it's going to be extremely cool. It's going to be a very emotional time. I imagine it's going to be cool for the players to finally come. And it's going to be really cool for the fans to finally see a bunch of these guys. So, yeah, that's going to be a blast. And I personally, as I've mentioned many times in this podcast, am going to be there. So if you want, I will uh, to follow along. I will post as much good photo and video content on the Twitter and Instagram feeds as I possibly can. But there's a pretty good chance I'm going to enjoy quite a few beverages. So I'm not sure how coherent I am going to be. Anyways, that is next up brought to you by DoorDash. Next, we will welcome my good friend Neil to the podcast to talk about the New York Yankees and all the fun things they've done. All right, I got my good friend and Yankees fan Neil Keefe from Keys Keefe to the city. Sorry, I fucked that up. Keefe to the city. How's it going, Neil? I'm doing well. It actually started with WFAN as Key to the City, so you weren't that far off. 
yeah, it wasn't wasn't a complete disaster. Like um, like the New York Yankees season has been so far. No offense. I mean, ours has not been that different. I think we're kind of in a pretty similar situation. The Yankees and the Blue Jays are both kind of, I'd say, out of the race for the American League East at this point. That's fair to say. And we're both looking at the wild card. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair to say. And I think they are in a similar spot. The only problem is, I know we talked about this back in April, is that the Yankees were the preseason expected favorite in the AL, and you guys are still the up-and-coming team. So, you know, they're, the Yankees are going down the hill, and you guys are still going up it. So uh, while they're in the same spot sort of record-wise, uh, in the grand scheme of things in the next few years, I think, like we've said many times, the Blue Jays are in a better spot. Uh, when it comes to AL East, I've been, I mean, the Red Sox, I went into the season thinking they would be a fourth place team. I still don't think they're good. They have three frigging hitters. Their starting rotation is awful. Their bullpen is shaky at best and yet they keep winning. So I don't know if they're, I keep waiting for regression. It's just not happening. And now the Yankees are eight games behind them in the loss column. They can't beat them. They're three and 10 against them this season. So if they had just not played them yet this year, they'd be tied with them. They've Red Sox have single-handedly separated themselves against the Yankees all by themselves. But I'm still, I do really think, yes, the division mathematically, it doesn't look good, but these next couple of weeks here, especially this weekend where Boston's playing Tampa in Tampa, where they always have a trouble, where everyone has trouble, everyone. while the Yankees are playing the Marlins, I mean, this is a huge weekend. If, yep. if the Yankees take care of business against the Marlins, they're getting ground against someone, whether it's Tampa or Boston. So uh, 61 games left, two big moves this weekend is as big as it gets. Yeah, 100%. I know exactly how you feel. The Jays, pretty much the same thing, right? Like, we're finally coming home to Toronto right away. Got a series yeah. against Kansas City, won against Cleveland. Like, got to start winning some games. Just went 2-2 two and two against the Red Sox. And like you said, like it, it, it is quite bizarre what Boston has going on. Like nobody thought they were going to be this good, but they just will not fall off a cliff. It's super frustrating, but I'm going to pivot here to talk about some trade deadline stuff as the Yankees have been kind of the, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say given that there was like a, there was a huge deal just now with the Dodgers, but before that they were the stars of kind of trade deadline week. So the first one was they traded what I thought was a pretty underwhelming group of prospects for lefty slugger Joey Gallo. So what, what does that do for the lineup? Yeah, I mean, those prospects essentially were all sort of afterthoughts going into the season. Um, granted, there was no minor league you know, season the year before, but even the year before that, they had sort of fallen out of favor and they'd all increased their stock this year. So it was almost like the Yankees had newfound top prospects in the sense that these guys built up their stock. The Yankees were able to move them um, and they did so. And to get Joey Gallo, he is sort of exactly what they already have in team like Aaron Judge and Luke Foyd and John Carlos Stan, a guy who strikes out a lot, who tries to hit home run every at bat but he is left-handed he's a gold glove defender uh the strikeout rate it it is what it is i mean the yankees fans we think we have it bad with stanton and judges strikeouts we haven't seen anything yet till joey gallo steps in the box i mean lots of booing i think (laughs) it's it's not great and and you see these shifts like the teams employ against him where they basically put everybody you know all uh seven fielders on the right side of the field and it's going to be whatever, but he's a guy who hits pop-ups that will go out at Yankee stadium. And uh, he's a dynamic they need. And Brian Cashman and the front office has BS their way for the last three years saying that an all right-handed lineup can still win. And now this is them admitting that they were wrong because to be the Yankees, a team that historically has amazing middle of the order left-handed bats to play your home games at Yankee stadium with a 314 foot right field line and to have no left-handed hitters is a joke. So they've gone out and they fixed that. And uh, 
we'll see. I mean, it is also a move for next year too, because Gallo is under control next year. So he'll be on the team as well then. Um, so thankfully it's not just a rental here, not that they gave away any of their, you know, coveted top prospects, but um, they're not in a position where they should be trading for rentals. They don't even hold a playoff spot right now. So yeah. it's a move that helps them both this year and next year. Yeah. It's pretty much exactly what you said is what all us Jays fans were saying about Joey Gallo as well. It's like, all right, the Jays aren't in a great spot to be paying a bunch for a rental right now. Gallo would have been sick because like you said, under control next year. And, you know, he mashes dingers. The Jays, like the Yankees, have a super righty heavy lineup. And then again, New York pulls the trigger on another deal, bringing in another lefty at bat. He's not having quite the same season that Joey Gallo is. I don't think he's quite as good as he used to be, but he's still a very good veteran hitter. You got Anthony Rizzo now in the mix. So two more lefties, I guess. How, how do you fit both these guys in? I see Gallo replacing Brett Gardner in the outfield and then Rizzo plays first base. Yes, I'm waiting for them to force Brett Gardner into mid-season retirement <laughs> like they did in A-Rod five years ago because this guy just keeps coming back even though he's not any good. He's about worn out his welcome about four years too, too long here with these one-year deals. Uh, so if Joey Gallo can get Brett Gardner out of the field, that's amazing because there's no way that guy should be an everyday starting major league player in 2021. Now with Anthony Rizzo, who reminds me too much of Mark Teixeira to make me like almost not like Anthony Rizzo, even though he's not even played for the Yankees yet. But Anthony Rizzo's arrival should remove Rugnet Odor from the lineup, please. And then it should also (laughs) remove Luke Voigt, who, yes, when he's going right, he's awesome, but he gets hurt too much. He's played 29 games this year. Last year, he he was able to play like 56 games in the shortened season. He was great. He led the league with 22 home runs. The year before he was hurt, he's just a guy who's always hurt. He's another judge, another stand, swinging for the fences every single pitch, no matter if it's a 3-1 count or an 0-2 count. Uh, Rizzo's a gold glove defender. And, you know, now you have gold glove defense at first in Rizzo. You've got it at second in LeMahieu. You've got an awesome defender at third in Urshela. And, unfortunately, Glaber Torres is still at short. Uh, but, yeah, they're better. And, and this is just the, the front office admitting once again – we need left-handed bats. You can't win without lineup balance. It, it only took them four years to figure it out. Yeah, it's a it's a significant swing for the team. I mean, I remember I was looking at the stats today, and the Yankees were sixth last in baseball in runs per game, which I thought was shocking. I, yeah. I, I, I don't think I've ever in my life seen a lineup like uh, a New York lineup that's, that's, that's not like super intimidating. But now I'm looking at this now with Gallo and Rizzo, and I'm thinking, oh, geez, like this is more the New York Yankees lineup that I'm used to seeing. And it, it looks like this team could probably heat up down yeah, the stretch. They have the second least run scored in the American League. Only the, the Texas Rangers, who didn't care enough to, to get rid of Rugan Rodori, they owed him $27 million. They, they can't score. They expected to be in last place. The Yankees were the preseason favorites. They have the second worst run scored in the league. It's embarrassing. It's, it's a joke, but I mean, if this, the, the only thing that gets me is like the team didn't make any deadline moves last year when they were going to the postseason. in 19, they were arguably the best team in baseball in the regular season. They didn't make any moves at the deadline to upgrade. So in two years, the last two years, when they were a much better team in a much better position, they stood pat. And now here they are not holding a postseason berth, buried essentially in the division. They're trailing by two games in the loss column just for the second wild card. And they're going out and making all these moves and everyone's like getting pumped and excited. And yes, it is exciting. But at the same time, it's hard to like believe in this team because one, they've been a fucking joke all season long. And two, they don't hold the playoff spot. They, they like there's 61 games left. They could go out. They could have gotten Scherzer. They could have got Trey Turner. All these guys, and it and it wouldn't matter. They're not holding a playoff spot. Aaron Boone's still your manager. You're you're facing an uphill battle no matter what. 
It does. It does feel like there was kind of a, a bit of desperation from Cashman and Boone in this situation here. Like it really felt like, okay, this team really absolutely had to do something. And also the other thing to point out is in both the deals they made, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not hundred percent on the details, but Texas was retaining money on Gallo. And I thought that was the same case with Rizzo. So there's still a whole bunch of cash and they haven't given up much in prospect capital. So we could definitely see them make another move tomorrow. Right. Are you expecting anything else? Yeah. I know there's still like the idea that they're going to get a starting pitcher out there. Um, you know, I know Kluber's throwing Severino's doing rehab games. So, they, you know, if they were to get those two guys back, if they, if they were in the Red Sox position right now and they were stacking themselves for the playoffs, I'd feel great. And it's like, Hey, you have Cole, you have Tyone, you have Montgomery, Kluber's coming back, Severino's coming back. You got two left-handed great bats. I would be as, you know, on this team as I was in 2019 going in the playoffs. Or if tomorrow, if today was March 31st, and tomorrow they're playing the Blue Jays in the afternoon on opening day. I would say, yes, the Yankees look great, but they've played two thirds of the season. They've been a disaster. Now they're like you just said, they're getting these teams to retain the salary because they're sweetening the deal on prospects because they don't want to go over the fake luxury tax. So the Yankees are still being cheap. They're sort of masking the idea that they're cheap by going out and getting great players. But the reason they're giving up so much of their farm right now, and they gave up five solid prospects to Texas everybody loves the deal the Cubs got here. Like everyone's raving about what the Cubs just got for Rizzo just to retain a salary. So they're still being cheap about it. They're still giving up too much because they don't want to take on salary because they're scared to go over the luxury tax. So same thing we talked about when you talked about how Roger Sportsnet, you know, screws over the Blue Jays fans way back three months ago, the Yankees are still doing the same shit, but they're getting away with it because, Hey, they got Rizzo and Gallo and all the Yankees fans are are forgetting about what's actually going on. Interesting. So yeah, so here we are now, and the Yankees are 53 and 48. They're a little bit better than the Blue Jays. They will be 51 and 48. So that's what the Jays have kind of ahead of them is if we want to make the playoffs, we're in an even worse spot than the Yankees. We have to jump New York, who just added these two guys and might add, add again. We have to jump Seattle, who's inexplicably 55 and 48, and then get into the final spot, which is Oakland. I don't think at this point, like we both know the Rays, the Rays are good. I don't think that the Rays are going to drop down very much. So I think the both of us are in the same spot, right? We're both looking at second wild card. That's what we think is realistic. Yeah. How, how one, you, path, you, one path. Right. And and sorry, to, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, one, I mean, Seattle, the Yankees have to, like, they're a joke. They're, they're playing nine games over their expected record. They're, they're not any good. So they're going to fade just like Seattle always does every single year. So you're looking at the Yankees, Blue Jays, and A's, all three teams for one spot. The A's are good. They're, they're a good team. They're, they're solid. They have good starting pitching. They have a solid bullpen. Their lineup is, is you know, a scary lineup. I'm scared of the A's. I'm scared of the Blue Jays. I've told you that many times. I The Blue Jays, as a guy who gambles on MLB every night, they have unbelievable lines. And every time I bet on them, they get lose. And I'm like, this team <laughs> is better than this. Like, their bullpen has been such a disaster. But that opening series of the season against the Yankees, I was like, holy shit, this is the best bullpen I've ever seen in my life. So I don't know what happened to the Blue Jays along the way, but yeah, it's three teams for one path. And what do you get? Like, yes, you could get to the wild card game. The Yankees have played in it three times since 2015. They lost the Astros once they beat the twins once they beat the A's once. But if the Yankees get to the wild card game as a second wild card, you're going on the road to the trap where you never win. And you're going to burn Garrett Cole. So even if you do win, now you're going to go play Boston or Houston or the White Sox and Garrett Cole can't pitch till game three or four of the ALDS. Like, what are you really getting out of that? You're just, you're, it's, it's a mirage. Getting the second wild card's a mirage. So 
they, I don't know, but the division's so far away. It's like they're doing all this stuff and everyone's so pumped for tomorrow night's game. But at the same time, it's like, what is it all for? So how do you feel? Do you feel confident at all that, that, that they're going to be able to jump over Oakland here? Do you think that, or do you think, you think this is kind of a, kind of a, kind of, kind of too much of an uphill climb? Yeah. I mean, Oakland's been pretty bad in July. I think they're like eight and 12 or nine and 12 in July. They had that crazy run earlier in the season after they started like, Oh, and seven, they went on a 13 game run. So they've been up and down the Yankees, you know, handled them. Um, you know, they got lucky fortunate with a few triple plays uh, back in June at Yankee stadium. They have to go out there four times and the Yankees for about 20 years, haven't played well in Oakland and they have to go there for a four game series, which will, essentially probably at that point determine if the Yankees are going to be a wildcard team, if they were ever go out there and have a miserable four games. Uh, But yes, I do think that on paper and especially now given the upgrades that they're better than Oakland and, and everyone seems to still love the Yankees. Like the playoff odds still have them near 50% fan graph still loves them. I guess the computers, you know, they're not watching the games. You watch this team every night. There's very little to love. So I just don't know how, people can still think that it's so easy and I want to be optimistic. I want them to make the playoffs. There's nothing worse than having no baseball in October, but it's, it's really tough to see it right now. And I I mean, I think for the both of us, we just need Boston to crash. Yeah. That is a hundred percent what we need. It would be great to see. It'd be great to see Boston finally come back down to earth. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen. I just, we've been calling them fraud socks all year. It won't happen. Then you got the Rays too. Like I'd love to see them cool down, but Again, tomorrow it seems like, you know, the Rays are probably going to be in the mix. They might make a big deal. One fortunate thing for the both of us, though, um, there was talks that the Rays were in on Max Scherzer. There was a whole bunch of teams in on Max Scherzer, and now he's headed out to the West Coast, apparently, to become an L.A. Dodger. So that is kind of a positive, I guess. So you're shaking your head because you're a Yankees fan, so you well, had aspirations. No. You had aspirations that the Yanks were going to require. <laughs> no, it's bad because my wife <laughs> is from Los Angeles. Her family is Dodger season tickets. My my son Cameron, so great name, who was born in the fall last year, was born right before the Dodgers' first World Series in forever. So, like, it's bad here in my home life when the Dodgers are good. So now not only are they good, not only do they have Kershaw and Bueller, but now they've got Scherzer, they've got Trey Turner. They, they Like, Corey Seager's going to come back. It's, you know, things Turn are bad. Up. How Turn could the Padres up. screw this up? Yeah, that's a that's another shocking one because we saw that there was a rumor that the Padres were going to be in on Scherzer, but my wonder was, okay, did the Nationals leak a fake rumor to get the Dodgers to give more because they gave up a lot. They gave yeah. up um, their uh, two top one hundred prospects, I think, and then three more guys after that. So that's that's a huge go, and I mean, you know, they want to run this thing back to back. All the respect to them because the Dodgers have become what the Yankees should be. You know, they have the smarts to stack their minor league system to go out and make deals like this. And they also use their financial might and free agency. And they're what the Yankees should have been for the last 20 years where you're constantly building out the farm, but you're also going out and filling the holes you need. But along the way, Hal Steinbrenner had to make sure that his yacht had enough gas in it and the, and the Yankees stopped acting like that. So, Hey, the Dodgers, I give them all the credit. They're blowing past the luxury tax threshold. They're going for it. They're like, we have this window where we have this team still together. We're going to go for it. And I mean, they're going to be the world series favorite now. I mean, they were before the season started. I know they're only holding a wild card spot now, but if you're the Dodgers, you're like, I mean, if you're the giants, you're like, well, we're going to blow this lead in the next week. 
Yeah, there's, there's, I, 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 I would be shocked if San Francisco, another team that doesn't really make too much sense. That's kind of like uh, yeah. Boston Red like Sox Boston. West, right? Yeah, the team makes no sense. No, you, you look at the Red Sox lineup when they put it out there, and Kike Hernandez is bleeding off, and they, and they put Devers and Bogarts and Martinez three, four, five. Like you don't have anybody who's better than them pinning one and two, and then the six, seven, eight, nine is a joke. Like their starting pitching is yeah. so bad. It's so bad. I, I can't believe that this team is where it is. They, I, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's like 2013 all again, like the shit roster. It just keeps winning. Yeah, no, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking. Even back in like May when they were off to a hot start, I was like, everyone's saying, oh, the Red Sox are going to fall off a cliff. They are. And then yeah. I just thought back to 2013 where their best guy was. I don't know. Shane Victorino. Johnny Gomes, <laughs> you know, just this random collection of that, misfit players. And then the Yankees went. did that the next year in, in, in 2000. Well, actually in 13, when they had like Lyle Overbay batting third every day, Vernon because Wells. Jeter and Teixeira and Gray Anderson, everyone was out that year. And yeah, Vernon Wells, Lyle Overbay, Ichiro, um, when he was like 40 years old, you know, Ben Francisco, Travis Hafter, Kevin Euclid, they tried to do the same thing and they, and they were horrible. So uh, yeah, I, I have no idea what's going on there, but they need to regress. Yeah, 100%. So is there anything else you want to talk about? It's always nice talking about the Yankees with you because I was sitting here looking at them and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, the Yankees have gone out and done this. They're going to do something else tomorrow. This sucks. Like this dash is the Blue Jays postseason hopes, but you got me feeling a bit better about it now. So hey, don't as long as Aaron Boone is sitting there in the dugout calling the shots, right in the lineup card, making the bullpen decisions, it's it's. It's good. It's good to be a Blue Jays fan. That's what hopefully I like. That, to hopefully, there's only 61 more games left of that. You're a, you're a lot more positive about the Blue Jays than most of us are right now. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the one thing I have to say is I've seen you know people talking about who's the next Yankees manager. Is it you know a lot of people want the Buck Showalter reunion, but I've seen John Gibbons on there. Really, a lot. Did that bother you? No. Uh... You know, I, I, I love Gibby personally, like I, all of us do. We, we, it's, it, was a, it was a weird thing we had going on with him because he managed the Jays back in the mid-2000s when they were just dog shit, just a nothing team, and he wasn't a great manager back then. He came back in 2013, we had our big mess, and they stuck it out with him, and then he was manager in 15-16. We just loved him. Real, like, hockey-style manager, kind of a badass. And then yeah. we'd all like to see him get a gig. I remember there was talk that he might be the one to fill the Houston Astros role. That was kind of a weird one because everyone hates the Astros. Yeah. The Yankees, that would be tough. It would be, it would be tough to see John Gibbons do his endearing moments, like when he comes out and gets kicked out and everyone just yeah. loves it. It'd be, it'd be tough to see that in Yankees. I'd, I'd love to see Gibby back in the mix having a gig. I, I, I would never root against that happening. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a hilarious fit for you guys. The Yankees fans would fucking love Gibby. That'd be great. Well, I'd love anyone that's, you know, just pick someone out of the stands and put them there and I'd love them more. So I think the best case scenario for the two of us to be happy is the Yankees tank. These acquisitions don't work. The Jays jump them and then your manager gets fired and you're happy as well. How does that sound? I mean, I'm scared that they're going to miss out and he's still going to be get brought back. So then we'll, then I'll be done. I'll just go find something else to do. And Dodgers? uh, No, never. (laughs) I'll just move to Europe and become a soccer fan or something because I can't sit through this again. Oh, lovely. All right. Is there anything else you want to chat about? No, that's it for me. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. It's always, always great to have you. That was a great time. That's uh, Neil Keefe from uh, Keep to the City. Great Yankees follow if you like, uh, if you like someone who's got interesting Yankees takes. Always spicy <laughs> stuff from you. Always entertaining to watch. All right. Thanks, Kim. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Hold up. 
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.